0: Welcome to Christian Impact. Impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is September 20th, 2023. We continue our series Words for Life. And today's words is Turn the Table. I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase, turn the table. But you get your life turned upside down when the tables are turned. Yes, it's an idiomatic expression. It's not really one word, it's of multiple words, turn the table. But that is the word that the Lord has given to me for this message. And so like most of my podcasts, I start off asking you questions. Let's get you thinking about what am I going to talk about? And so are we living by the kingdom values or values of the kingdom? Do we get along well with others? Are we prepared to turn the table on what the world expects? You know, the rules for living in the kingdom of God, they're different than the rules of the world. The values of the kingdom are different from the values of the world. And so you can begin to see a little bit, we're talking about values and But what does that really get into turning the tables? Well, let's go ahead and jump into our scriptures and let the Lord speak to us about what it is we're talking about. We're going to begin with Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. It reads, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents, but he was unable to pay his master. And his master commanded that he be sold, and his wife and children, all that he had, that payment be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, I will pay you all. The master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, "'Pay me what you owe.' But his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, "'Have patience with me, and I will pay you all.' And he would not, but he threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So his fellow servants saw what had been done, and they were very grieved. And they came and told the master of all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him and said to him, "'You wicked servant!' I forgave you of all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers, until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father will also do to you, each of you, from his heart, who does not forgive his brother, of his trespasses. Now this passage is a great example of a turn-the-table situation. You know, God is really into rescuing people, and He's really into turning the table. Here we have the servant. He had debts. They were too great for him to pay it. And you know, God loves to turn the tables. Just when you think you you have to pay for something you can't, and it's all going to come crashing in on you, God's mercy can turn the table. The problem is suddenly not a problem. God completely clears it. But we see something about this turn the table in this passage. And that's this. You cannot use God's mercy as a way to cheat the system and abuse others. You see, God does turn the table here. But he doesn't turn the table on evil. God gives forgiveness. And the servant takes the forgiveness. But he doesn't become changed by the forgiveness. He's still evil, manipulative, greedy, selfish. He only begged because he's selfish. And the tables were turned on him. You see, the master came back. And although the master had forgiven him the debt, guess what? The master reinstated the debt. And this time, instead of going to prison, he went to the torturers until he paid. Now, I don't know about you, but if you have money, it's awfully hard to make money when you're in prison. It's awfully hard to make money when you're in prison. How much harder is it for you to make money and pay back when you're being tortured? I mean... If you had it and they start torturing you, you'd give it up. But when they start torturing you and you don't have it, and they're not going to stop torturing you until you do, the torture never ends because you don't have it. You can't do it. You see, this is sort of an image of hell. People are going to go to hell and they're going to be suffering in torture eternally as payment for their sin. And likewise, God... Is not mocked. The idea that someone can go to church, walk the aisle, say, Jesus, please forgive me my sin, and then not be changed. They can get up and walk out and continue to live the exact same lifestyle before they did that. In other words, they claim God's forgiveness, but there is no change. This passage is pretty clear. If God forgave you and there's no change in you, He's not mocked. You can't quote cheat Him, and think I got out of it. You're gonna get. You're gonna get what you deserve. You're going to have to pay the debt that you can't pay, because you didn't actually receive God's forgiveness. If you if you had, you would be changed. You sh- He should have. The parable is you should have shown to your servant. If you and I have, have, if we've really been saved by Jesus, that salvation, that change in us should come out. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but it should come out. The change in what he's done to us should come out and, and, and it should be impacting others. The forgiveness, the word of God, the impact of God doesn't return void. If God forgives me, that forgiveness isn't going to return to God void. God's gonna work that forgiveness in me and it's gonna continue to bring God a harvest. In other words, when God forgives me, it's not just me. He's forgiving. Yes, He forgave me, but He's gonna work that power in me to affect others so that that same forgiveness that's applied to me will suddenly apply to others as well. He's not mocked. God's serious about forgiveness. It is a kingdom value. This is the point. And when I say this is the point, let's go back to the beginning. What was this whole conversation about? This is Peter coming to Jesus saying, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven. You see, the world puts a number on the Forgiveness. In other words, how many times can I be used before I can get my revenge? How many times do I have to put up with something before I can just be evil? And of course, Jesus' response is basically, you you all, there's, there's no end. You know, seven times, how about 70 times seven? It's not a literal 70 times seven, it's this expectation you just want to go seven i'm telling you to go 70 times beyond in other words you should go above and beyond to extend forgiveness why because it's a kingdom value it's not a worldly value see forgiveness turns the world upside down it turns the tables on the situation let me rephrase this the way that i think jesus would rephrase it how often should we forgive others how many times do you want to be forgiven? See, you and I—we always want to be forgiven. It, it, when when the hammer drops on us, we want we want a chance to be forgiven. Well, that's how many times we should be extending forgiveness. We always want it, so we should always give it. It's a kingdom value. It turns the table on the world because the world doesn't think that way. The world thinks that there's a limit, and then you can justify your evil and evil treatment. There, according to the world, there is a there is a place where you don't forgive anything, and you don't have to, and you're justified by that. But in kingdom values, you and I are not the judge. All we can do is give the forgiveness that we've been given to others. Now, let's look at another scripture on this Turn the Kingdom conversation. Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. It reads, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us, and he may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespasses of the servants of the God of your father. And when Joseph, and Joseph wept when they spoke to him, then his brothers also went and fell before their face. And they said, behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for I, for am I in the place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now, this portion of scripture is taking place. Um, uh, Joseph's brothers had sold him into slavery and... Through a long story, Joseph ended up in prison with Pharaoh, and he had a dream. Pharaoh had a dream, and Joseph interpreted it, and it was about the, the coming abundance and the coming famine. And Pharaoh made Joseph second command over all Egypt, except under Pharaoh, so that Joseph could use the years of abundance to save up, so that he could save Egypt in the famine. And Joseph not only saved Egypt in the famine, but he saved all the known world around them because he was the only one who had food for anybody. And so and in that process, he saved his family. His brothers came down to buy food because they're starving. And he finds them and he doesn't think of evil. and, And so his brothers get his dad and the whole family. And they all come and they all move to Egypt. And Joseph takes care of them in Egypt. And now we're to the end, and Joseph's dad, Jacob, has died. And Joseph's brothers are afraid. This is where this passage picks up. Joseph's brothers are afraid that the only reason why Joseph didn't have him killed was because of his father, Jacob. And so they're afraid now that Jacob is dead, that Joseph will be free to do evil to them, to harm them, to get revenge. Listen, Joseph's brothers are still thinking with worldly thinking. Joseph's brothers are still thinking evil. The same type of thinking that threw Joseph in the pit is how they are thinking. See, Joseph has forgiven them, but they, they didn't get that. They didn't understand that. They still think like the world thinks. And so they make up a lie. Well, let's tell them that Jacob really said, now, Joseph, don't do this to your brothers. And so they, you know, they, they, they give up this story. And you, and you see in the scripture that we read, it says that when they say this to him, it says, and then Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Listen, Joseph wasn't weeping because this was some final words of Jacob. Joseph knew it was a lie. Joseph wept because his brothers had not received the forgiveness that he offered. See, his brothers are still very much in slavery because they don't believe. See, they thought Joseph was going to turn the tables on them. Jacob's day is going to turn the tables to evil. Because that's what the world does. That is a worldly value. And many times we, we do the same thing. It's like, man, the minute I get a chance to bring up someone's past. Here's a person they've come to the Lord, but you know what? The minute they, they slip up, I'm going to remind them that they're really no good so-and-so. They've always been that way, and you're just waiting to do that. You know, You're not doing it right now because they're going to church and they're growing, but you just know they're going to slip up, and they're going to return to their evil ways, and you're waiting for... Listen, you're thinking like Joseph's brothers. See, you still have evil in your heart. You need to turn the tables on the world. And receive forgiveness. And see, that's what Joseph does. Joseph turns the tables on his brothers, all right, because his brothers think he's going to do them evil. And Joseph turns the tables because Joseph weeps because he forgave him. And he turns the tables saying, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? See, this is what the servant in Matthew should have done to the other servant. See, that servant had been forgiven of a great debt. And so when the other servant came to him with the denarii he owed him, he should have looked at the servant and said, you know what? Am I the master to throw you in prison? I mean, he was just in that situation. The master forgave him. Is he a master now to suddenly put this person in prison when he's he's a servant himself? And so Joseph said, I'm not in the place of God. Joseph's saying, listen, if you're going to be judged for what you did to me, God's going to do it. But he's not. Joseph has learned forgiveness and second chances because Joseph has experienced. What does it mean to be forgiven and have given a second chance? Joseph went through this in his life multiple times. What does it mean to have a second chance? And he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Joseph understands he wouldn't be there. What they thought was evil, God turned the tables and created it for good. God can do that. God can take the evil things and turn it around upside down and make it good. And here they think that Joseph's going to do something evil. And he's telling them, God's going to turn this around. You think I'm about to do evil, but instead, don't. Be afraid. This is the Savior life. And he tells them not to be afraid. And this says, I will provide for you and your little ones. Do you understand that Joseph, as being provider, he gave them provision. In other words, his brothers didn't need to work to provide for their families. Joseph provided for all 11 of their families. He provided for all of them and their little ones, their little children. Joseph alone took care of all of them as if they were his children. And and he spoke kindly to them. He comforted them. See, he completely turned the tables on expectations. Now let us look at our last scripture passage, Romans 14. Verses one through twelve Romans chapter fourteen verses one through twelve it reads Receive one who is weak in the faith, but do not dispute over doubtful things, for one believes he may eat all things, but he who see, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord he does not observe it. He who eats eats to the Lord and he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord does not eat, and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died, and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living." But why do you judge your brother? And why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then let each shall give account of himself to God. Now, I like to look at this passage and see it as a practical application of forgiveness a practical application of forgiveness see we've we've read in Matthew and we've seen in Genesis this turn the tables to turn evil into good to turn what the world thinks upside down on its head because God says something else and here this is some practical application how do we apply this turning the table. And so the first thing I want us to understand is that there is a connection between physical conflicts and spiritual conflicts. There's, there's connections to these. And this passage is highlighting that. And how does it highlight? Well, it highlights about exercising forgiveness. Notice it starts off, receive one who's weak in the faith, but not in disputes over doubtful Things. Now, last week I talked about being a watchman. And a watchman, you have to speak the truth, and that brings you into conflict. And so we talked about watchmen is about being conflicts. This message of turning the tables, and of course, this passage is one that gets abused. You hear people all the time saying, you know, are you supposed to judge? You're not supposed to judge your brother. Well, number one, this passage is about your brothers. This isn't about unbelievers. This isn't a passage about, you know, this is about your brothers and sisters in Christ, primarily. I mean, that's the context of it. It's about, quote, other Christians. These are your Christian brothers and sisters. But this, we have to understand the word judgment. We're called to speak the truth. So if I tell someone what you're doing is going to send you to hell, And it's something that God's very plainly said. We're not judging people when we do that. See, the judgment is sort of that thing the servant did when he refused to forgive, when forgiveness had been extended to him. That was the judgment. I want, I want, I want you to pay me and you can't pay me. So therefore you must, you must suffer. And he says, Christians, this is when we judge is when when we want someone to suffer. And we put them into places that cause suffering that that is God's position to do. My position is to forgive and extend forgiveness. Now you can do that by speaking the truth. Notice it says, but receive one who is weak in faith but not in disputes over doubtful things. One of the things I said in that conflict speech about going, listen, we don't want to get in, just because God calls us to speak the truth and we're going to have conflict, that's fine. But don't get in conflicts that you can't win because the conflict doesn't mean anything. There's no winning outcome. See, that's a dispute over doubtful things. And there are doubtful things. And it talks about there are things that people eat. This person says, and the scripture says, like verse 2, some people will only eat vegetables, and they believe that. It's a conviction. I can't eat meat. God doesn't want They, some crazy thing, well, in Genesis, they only ate after the flood. So, therefore, that's a sinful act, and I want to return to, to the garden. Therefore, I'm only going to eat vegetables. And they really believe that. Well, is that really a sinful thought? Is that really a sin? You know, it's like, I don't agree with it. I mean... Today we have to eat meat. It's, we need the protein. It's a God told us after the flood to eat meat why? Because there's not enough sustenance anymore in plants because the flood has changed the world. And he said it is okay to do that. We need this now for our sustenance. And I and I'm from Texas, I like a good steak. But here we see that you know what? This is not an issue that we should be in conflict on nor should we be judging. When I say judging, it's like, I'm going to kick you out of church. I'm going to bring my fellowship. I'm going to condemn you. I'm going to attempt to hurt you. I'm going to, you know, I'm not say hurt. Yes, physically, but you know, sometimes we can hurt people by taking away our friendship. But I just won't talk to you. You're not, you can't be in my circle of friends. You can't, you know, th- these are judgments that we pass to punish people. And that's not what the scriptures tell us not to do. We need to turn. See, that's what the world does. That's what the world does. And that's why the world thinks Christians are hypocrites. Because there are Christians that act just like them. It's funny. So many people in the world go, well, I don't like these, hypocrites. these Christians are hypocrites. But they themselves are exactly the same way. These Christians are acting just like them. What we need is for God to, as Christians, we need to embrace God, embrace what God wants, kingdom values. And God turns the table. Suddenly, Christians begin treating people with kingdom values. You know, it's like, okay, you don't eat vegetables. Let's give thanks to God for what we're eating. I won't, I won't, I'm not going to punish you, judge you, cut you off. Eat your vegetables. It might even mean, you know what? I'm not going to invite you out to eat with me and me eat a steak in front of you just because. Now, I've been on some good steak jokes and I know some vegans and things. and You know, you do those practical jokes and pranks. But in the end, we should extend forgiveness and love for our brothers and sisters and not make such stands on issues that just don't matter. There are Christians that believe that Halloween is the devil's day and they refuse to do anything. And there are other Christians that believe that it's the day the Lord made and they're not going to let the devil have the day the Lord made and that they're going to engage. They're going to do outreaches and they're going to hand out candy. Um, because ultimately, just because you hand out candy and it's okay, On the 30th, but it's not, you can't say it's a sin on the 31st and it's okay on the 1st. And that's just, that's just silly. But that is that we should not condemn each other. We shouldn't judge each other on these things. We should exercise forgiveness and love for our brothers. And understand that in the end, we all have to stand accountable to God. If you really think this is a big issue, understand that God is the one that's going to ultimately deal out accountability. He's the one. And so we want to turn the table on worldly thinking. We need to realize that everything we do, we do for the Lord. And turn the table on worldly values by extending the love and forgiveness of God to others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us, that you turn the tables of our situations of evil into good, God. We thank you that you turn the tables on us, God. Help us, God, to have your values, to turn the table in the world's thinking and to bless others. Thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you for listening to uh, this teaching. You can view our other teachings or listen to them at our website www.christianimpact.net. You can look at us up on YouTube at Christian Impact. We're on Rumble. Christian Impact. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Amazon. Uh, Gosh, there's just a lot of platforms. Uh, We have those platforms listed on our website. Check one out. Drop us a line. And until next time, God bless.